He's a great God. Thank you for being in Wednesday night service. And uh, we're just glad to be here. Um, of course, uh, Sunday we're planning on having planning on having our Easter egg hunt. Let's pray because the weather looks like it wants to be wet <laughs> on Sunday. But uh, since we know the one that controls the weather, let's let's talk to him about it. Let's see if just don't let it rain till about five o'clock on Sunday. Just give give us the day. You know, he can do it. I believe he will. God's able tonight. Um, if you uh, have your Bibles and you want to turn, I think actually I'm going to I'm going to drop down and I'm going to, I'm going to jump to my second scripture, sis, just because it's just that one. Instead of reading that uh, those first verses, I have Titus three and five. Titus 3 and 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And uh, I'm going to hold off on my title for just a moment. Let's pray for the lesson tonight. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for all that you do. We are sure grateful for that mercy that has saved us. Tonight, Lord, I pray that our ears will be open to hear what you would say to the church. God, speak to us. Let it mold us and shape us and make us the children of God that we ought to be. We're going to praise you for these things. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Now give him one more hand clap and shout. Come on, give him some praise before you're seated tonight. May be seated and God bless you over and over and over. In St. John chapter 8, it opens with a story that we are familiar, so familiar with. It says, Jesus went into the Mount of Olives and early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came unto him and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. When they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? And this they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. He was ignoring them. He heard them. He said it was as though he heard them not, but he, he heard what they were saying. But if you're not saying anything worth saying, he just might not be paying attention. <laughs> so when they continued asking him, he lifts himself up, says unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground, and they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest even unto the last. Now, these dudes are bad. But I will say this. Thank God they have a conscience that can still be touched. Because it said from the eldest to the least to the last, they begin to go out one by one, being convicted by their own conscience. I'm thankful that people can still feel conviction and it started with the eldest. You're never going to serve God so long that you don't want his word to convict you. I hope I never lose conviction when I hear the words of Jesus. So Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself, saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? If no man condemned thee, she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more, which is a very big part of that story, go and sin no more. Uh, a lot of people just love the fact that he uh, spared her, but they overlook the fact that he instructed her. He 
He did not give her a free pass. He corrected her. His mercy is not a free pass to go do it again. Oh, God loves people so much, I'll just do this again. Don't ever fall into that trap. So I want to preach for a little while on this mercy for your mess. We all need mercy for our mess. This time of year, especially, I think we ought to be remembering the mercy of the Lord as we head toward uh, the uh, this time of year. People are always, their mind is on the last week of his life, what he went through, how he suffered, how he was wrongly accused, how he was convicted falsely, how he was mocked and, and abused, crucified, died, resurrected. Thankful for that mercy. When we, I remember years ago when I first got in the church, uh, they did sing songs about his resurrection, but a lot of it was about mercy. It'd be old songs like Mercy Rewrote My Life. If you listen to Jimmy Swaggart, you probably heard that. He, he played that and sang that on the piano. And there was a guy, there was a young minister in the church we came up in. He used to sing that uh, all the time. And then another one that was real big was Your Grace and Mercy. And uh, you've probably heard uh, the choir singing that. I believe it was Mississippi Mass Choir sings that. And, uh, it's, and the Jackson Mass Choir also did a version of that was very good. And we used to sing that with the choir at our church. But you don't want to forget that this week has a lot to do with God's mercy. And while, uh, you know, there's many things that you can preach about this week and talk about this week, mercy is what drove it. I read um, uh, just a moment ago, Titus 3 and 5. What we need to remember is that Calvary was an act of the greatest love Ever. Greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. And we know that Jesus laid his life down for us, and that was because he loved us. But it was driven by the mercy that God would show us. Again, Titus 3 and 5, it was not because of works of righteousness that we have done, but it was according to his mercy he saved us. He loved us, but his mercy drove him to do that because he knew that we needed he could love us all day long but what if he didn't allow us salvation mercy allows us that salvation mercy uh, allows us to have another chance and mercy is what gave this woman another chance so we thank God for his mercy tonight how many knows he's he's merciful aren't you thankful for his mercy there's yeah you know, I think about how they even went out to battle saying praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. It means that, you know, that they knew that God was going to bless them in this battle. He was going to be merciful to them and keep them and protect them and give them victory. Uh, he could let them go by themselves and possibly lose, but he said, that's not what I do. I show mercy. Psalm 103 and 17 says that the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. You can't wear out God's mercy. Well, I've, I've, I've had to go to him so many times, he probably won't hear me again. You cannot wear out God's mercy. Oh, it, it doesn't mean he is uh, happy about what you do. He would like for us to learn a lesson the first time. I don't know what this woman ever did after she got up and walked away from Jesus. I have no idea. But I sure hope she learned her lesson that she don't find herself in front of a group of people with rocks again because the next time might not go so well. I hope that she heard him when he said, go your way and sin no more because you never know when your last chance might be. But his mercy is from everlasting to everlasting and, uh, and, then it's, and it's boundless. It can reach anywhere. Psalm 108 and 4 says, for thy mercy is great above the heavens, and thy truth it reacheth unto the clouds. Boundless. You can't reach heaven. You don't even know how far heaven is. It's boundless. It's out of your comprehension, the mercy of God. Quit trying to 
push the mercy of God into human mold, into into uh, human theology, and and that it can only have mercy on this, this, or this. God's mercy is boundless, and you and I can't understand it, but we can be partakers of it, and we can be distributors of it. But probably my favorite passage about mercy is in the book of Lamentations. In Lamentations 3 and 18, the writer said, I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Now, you're in a bad place when you no longer feel like you have hope in the Lord anymore. I, I don't even have hope that God will, uh, you know, I, I'm feeling so bad right now that I'm not even sure God will help me. My strength and my hope has perished from the Lord. What I got from God, it's gone. When I remember my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, he said, my soul has them still in remembrance and it humbles me. But then I recall this, I remember this, and it gives me hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Listen, when we give up, we give up. God never gives up. When we give up and say, that's it, that's the end, then that, that's completely, totally on us because God never gives up. He says, I have made a way where you don't have to be consumed, devoured, done away with. If you consume everything on your plate, there's nothing left. And you can let your troubles and your messes and your mistakes consume you till there's nothing left of who you are supposed to be and who you were and even who you are. But because of God's mercy, you can keep living. You can keep going. You get another chance to do it better. I want the mercy of the Lord. And, and so I realize that when I, if I make a terrible mistake on Thursday and I go to bed feeling so hopeless, I wake up on Friday realizing that the mercies of the Lord are new, verse 23 said, every morning. Great is his faithfulness. His compassions fail not. You can't figure out that mercy. You can't explain Calvary. You can't explain why God would do what he did for us. You can't understand why when it says one thing. Here's why that mercy for this lady is so great is because she's in real trouble according to the word. She's in real trouble according to God's word, according to God's law. We were or are in trouble, real trouble according to God's word if we still are unrepented and, and not baptized in his name. We're in trouble because the Bible says the wages of sin, it's death. That's his word. But he'd rather have mercy than see them dead. It's not the Lord's will that any perish, but that all would come to repentance. God granted repentance. That is an act of mercy. He gave us a doorway to get out of it, to get out of trouble. And so his mercy is new every morning. His compassions fail not. He, God's always loving. Compassion if, it, if us having compassion makes a difference, think what God having compassion does. That's why we keep going. That's why we get it better. And that's why the Lord said, my compassions fail not. I'm always making a difference. And so she's in trouble. The truth is, according to the word, she should die. She should. The seventh commandment, that's awesome. The seventh commandment states... Thou shalt not commit adultery. The Lord gave that to Moses on the mount. It's in the Ten Commandments. Everybody put the Ten Commandments back up. Why? Are we going to follow them? <laughs> Are they just going to be a decoration for the courthouse? What is, it? is it because that's the way we live? Anyway, it's his word. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Leviticus 20 and 10 gives us the penalty. Both parties 
are to be put to death. There's a penalty for it. This woman is in trouble with all this scripture that is stacked against her. It looks like this is not going to turn out real good. And even Jesus did not contradict them. He never said, Moses didn't write that. The law doesn't say that. Listen, he knew it. Nobody knows the word better than the word. That's the truth. But you want to know something? Nobody hates, nobody hates sin as much as Jesus. But what you have to remember is that no one loves people more than Jesus. So Jesus said of himself in Matthew 5 and 17, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Jesus came to complete people. Jesus came to complete people. This woman was incomplete. His mercy would provide now a chance for this woman to one day be complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Because here's what Jesus knows. These guys want judgment right now. The law said she should die. What do you say? You know, I've wondered, and I'm sure you have, where the guy was at. He might have already been dead. We, we don't know. We like to think, well, it was just a trick and a trap, and they just grabbed her and said, hey, you're our buddy. Get out of here. We won't tell nobody we saw you. I don't know. But maybe he was already dead. Maybe they, in the middle of stoning him, they said, wait a minute. We can use this to trick Jesus. So I don't know where he was at. And that's, I can't prove that through Scripture. I'm just telling you, we don't know. It doesn't say, uh, you know. But Jesus knew Hey, judgment's coming. I want to tell you something and hear what I'm saying. Judgment is coming for each and every one of us. For it is appointed unto man once to die, then the judgment. The scripture says that we shall all stand before the judgment seat of the Lord. Judgment is coming, and Jesus knows it. He knows it. There's no way. Don't worry about that. Judgment's going to come. Whether it's today, tomorrow, or 10 years, it's coming. But right now, while there's time, mercy is speaking. And that's what the Lord, he said, what good will it do us to kill her right here when we can give her a chance to repent, when we can give her a chance to get it right, when we can give her a chance to do it? If she decides not to, guess what? Judgment is either going to catch her today or down the road. The Lord said, I'd rather give her down the road. I'd rather give her an opportunity. And that's what God's doing for you and I is that, listen, judgment's coming. We're going to face the Lord one day. So what are you doing right now? Are you listening to what mercy is saying? Neither do I condemn you. Go your way and sin no more. Take advantage of what mercy is offering today. We need mercy. This world's a mess. We're a mess. We need mercy. And mercy is giving us another chance while we live. Right now, it might have been my son. Somebody said it preaching or saying something uh, here recently. And it's true. Right now, God is still on the mercy seat. But he will be moving from the mercy seat to the judgment seat. And that's uh, going to be a, a a terrible place for a lot of people. For some of us, those of us that have made ourselves ready to meet the Lord, said that we will be able to uh, to have confidence in that day because we know we've trusted in His mercy. If I have not taken advantage of mercy, I'm going to be mighty afraid when I pull up to the judgment seat uh, because I'm not sure what He will save me, say to me. The wages of sin are death, but... The gift of God is eternal life, and it comes from his mercy. I want to make sure that as I, if I err in this life, I want to err on the side of mercy. I want to make sure that I don't find myself, uh, let's, let's talk about the accusers for a minute. I don't want to be like that. 
I don't, I don't want to be like them. Uh, I, I've already been in the, uh, the place of the one who needed the mercy. <laughs> and and uh, probably sometime in my life, I've probably been one of those guys holding rocks in my hands. I thank God that he smote me and said, uh-uh, that ain't the way to do it. He said, well, I've never done that. I would never do that. Well, ain't you awesome? But I know even those that was walked closest to him said, let's call some fire down out of heaven and burn them up that don't follow us because they didn't realize who they were yet. And, uh, and we've all found times where we've thought they got what they deserved. Whew, I'm so glad somebody didn't point at me and say he got what he deserved. Uh, I got far less than I deserved. So let's just analyze the accusers for a minute and see why we don't want to be an accuser. So number one, I don't want to be ignored by him. I want to come to him and pray and he hears me. Not just hears me, but is listening. We talked about this the other day, that he's actually inclined his ear unto me, that he is considering what I'm saying and, and I have the petitions that I ask of him because he's listening. I want to make sure that uh, I'm not an accuser. Uh, you know, they, they, they asked, where is the other party? So already there, you know, if this guy is still alive somewhere, um, we want to know where the other guy, where is, where is he at? Where's the other half of this situation? Because the Bible says that both parties are supposed to die, but you just got her. So why, why just her? So they're out of Scripture. They're out of God's word. They're, they're people whose motives are not aligned with Scripture, I have found out they are merciless. They have no mercy. When people get out of God's word, they weren't there to get mercy for this woman. They wanted to see her die. They, they were trying to get attention, but you won't get the attention you're planning on by drawing attention to somebody else's sin. We're going to be big in everybody's eyes. We're fixing to trick Jesus. We're fixing to get this. They thought they was going to get the attention they wanted. They didn't get the attention they wanted. Because I, I don't know who, who was standing back on the sidelines with their, their ancient camera phone video. And, and all of a sudden it was like Jesus just dropped the mic. Boom. You without sin start throwing rocks. <gasps> and you know, because somebody made a video and they was going, whoo. Because he just set them straight. There wasn't nothing they could do about it. So you remember that, people. If your motives, if you know people whose motives, if they're not aligned with Scripture, you're acting without mercy. Don't be an accuser. Because you're not going to get the attention you're planning on by drawing attention to other sins. You're about to get exposed. <laughs> you're about to be exposed yourself. You thought you was going to expose them, and the Lord's about to pull the curtain up on you. Listen, I don't want to be an accuser for this reason. The Scripture says our worst enemy, Satan, is an accuser of the brethren. Don't be like him. Why would you want to be anything like him? Well, they did. Why would you want to be anything like him? Because those who accuse are about to be exposed. Those who accuse are always defeated. It always happens. They never prosper. Never. You got to be careful when you start, you start bringing people to Jesus to try to make them look bad. It's about to flip on you. God's about to show you. I want, and again, he never condoned the woman's acts. He never said, I don't care what she did. It's all right. None of that. He said, but, but you're not going to bring her here caught in her sin and me not catch you in yours. I'd rather be repentant of my sins than being caught in my sins. Listen, they loved the law more than they loved souls. This word, the Bible says, is a sword. It's a sword. But I don't want to kill people with it. 
I've got a sword. I, I would rather use it to defend people with it. I'd rather use it to kill the enemy, destroy the enemy. I don't want to kill my brothers or my sisters. I don't want to kill God's creation with the word. I would rather defend them with the word. And if the sword is part of the word, then the sword also carries mercy. It does. Another thing about being accusers and being merciless, not having mercy, is equivalent to be, being carnal-minded. Because if you're not being merciful, you just want death. Romans 8, 6, and 7 says that if we are carnally-minded, if you're an accuser, that's death. But to be spiritually-minded is life and peace because mercy is spiritual. God's a spirit. God has mercy. His mercy endures forever. The carnal mind is an in, enemy against God. It's an enemy against God. They were working directly against what the Lord was. He's merciful. They were trying to take his word and kill somebody with it, but he had a big, a, another word. And they're not contradictory. They work together. Again, judgment's coming. It's going to happen, but it was time for mercy. He said the carnal mind is not subject to the law of God, and it can't be. It can't even, so, they, so they're missing something, and this is what they were missing, what Jesus warned them to find out in Matthew 9 and 13. He said, you need to go and learn what this means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not call, come to call the righteous, but I am come to call sinners to repentance. God said, you need to learn about mercy. You need to learn what I'm saying right here. And, and when he said, he never said she shouldn't be stoned. He never said, uh, mm -mm, you're not going to stone her. If they had started throwing rocks, I don't know that he would have done anything. Because if she was really caught in the act of adultery and they were true, then they were doing what the law said. He never contradicted it. He never said, you're, you, uh, that's not right. He never said anything about that. He just said, let's point Let's talk about something else. What's going on in your life? And if you can, don't have any sin in your life, matter of fact, he, he gave the goat the green light. Start casting stones. And I'll tell you something. That none of us have a right to throw rocks. <laughs> These were leaders and religious leaders and elders and things, and none of them could... None of them felt like I've been doing good enough that I could throw a rock right now. I can promise you, none of us have been doing good enough where we can throw a rock right now. Hello? Oh, come on, somebody. Well, you don't know me, Pastor. <laughs> the Bible says if we say we have no sin, that we are a liar. Listen, we have things we have to repent of and ask God to forgive us every day. Forgive me, God. Every day. You know, I ain't killed nobody. I ain't stole nothing. Have you lied? Oh, I exaggerate sometimes. Exaggeration is a lie. There's no loophole for exaggerations. An exaggeration is a lie. That fish was four foot long. It was two and a half. I was just exaggerating. But you, what you said wasn't true. Anyway, none of us have the right to throw rocks. Mm -mm. We've got to have mercy. We need to have mercy and be sacrifices like the Scripture says. Not make sacrifices out of other people. Proverbs 3 and 3 tells us this. Don't let mercy and truth forsake thee. You make sure you never lose mercy and truth. You bind them about your neck. Write them upon the table of your heart. Because if it's there, as a man is in his heart, thinketh in his heart, so is he. Out of the heart are the issues of life. And so if we keep mercy and truth uh, written upon our heart, how much better will we be? How much better will we treat people when we have mercy? Matthew 5 and 7, very familiar. 
Blessed are the merciful. Why, Lord? Why are they blessed? Because they shall obtain mercy. If you want God's mercy, then you need to extend mercy. If you want mercy from others, see, God's mercy is going to be there because that's part of who he is. His mercy endures forever. Ours, like we can measure our mercy in hours. Sometimes it's or days or weeks. But I want to be more like him. And so I want to make sure that if I'm going to get mercy from other people, then i got to be merciful to other people. Because one day I might just be the one standing there with, and people's got a bunch of rocks. And I sure hope somebody will say, man, he made a mistake. It, was, uh, it happens. The Bible says a good man can fall. He's not utterly cast down. It happens to the best of us. You know, so uh, I, I don't want to be stoned to death. I'd, I'd rather somebody have mercy on me. I know God will. I sure would like for my brothers and sisters to have mercy on me, not, not kill me and cast me out like I'm a leper, but have mercy. And so finally, I want to be more like him, Luke 6 and 36. Be ye therefore merciful as your Father is also merciful or also is merciful. So be like your daddy. Be merciful. You know, he rebuked the Jews at one point and told them, said, your father's the devil. <laughs> they didn't like it. I don't want to be like the devil because he's an accuser. But I want to be like my father in heaven because he's merciful. I love God's word. Woo, I love it. And I promise you there is that, that righteous indignation that rises up when I see people just make fun of it, talk against it, try to cancel it out. It just, man, don't talk against this gospel that I love. It just, but I know I don't have to fight for the gospel. It'll stand on its own. I know that. But as much as I love his word, my zeal for the word cannot be greater than having mercy on people. As a pastor especially, I love the Word, and I have to look at this and, and practice what I preach, and I have to uh, try to lead people and teach people this is what the Word of God says. And when I see them doing exactly the opposite of that, I, I'm not, I don't have a bag of rocks to throw at you. I, I can't be like, okay, you ain't heard nothing I say on Sunday. You know, oh, I've got, I've got to have mercy because they'll get it right next time. They'll find a place to pray. They'll find a place to repent. And they'll get it right. So I'm just going to have mercy because mercy works. Mercy fixes mercy. And, and you hear what I'm saying tonight. God's mercy is in this house tonight. If you're drawing breath right now, it's mercy. If, you, if you're breathing in and out right now, that's God's mercy because he could stop your breath like that. And tonight, with whatever's going on in your life, you've got an opportunity to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Repent of your sins. Be baptized in his name. Wash your sins away. Don't wait around thinking, well, I'll, I'll, I'll wait. God's merciful. I'll wait. One day, mercy is going to stop for you and I because it's going to be judgment time. Take advantage of the mercy of God tonight. So let's don't be like the accusers. Connect with people through mercy instead of killing them through accusations. Connect. That's what Jesus did. Make a connection through mercy. That woman had to know. She, I know she went away wiping her brow thinking, whew, that was close. Ooh, that was close. I was about to die. I know what the Bible says. I know what the Word says. And still, I was caught. And I was caught red-handed. There was nothing I could do. It was His mercy that saved me. It was His mercy that has saved us. And friend, if Jesus is not willing for them to perish, neither should we be.
if he if he was not willing to see her die there, he didn't want her to die. So he said, "I'm just going to offer up offer this, and then you'll do what you want to do." That's that's basically what he said. It, it wasn't like he he did some kind of mind trick on them. He just said, "Hey, those of you without sin, start throwing stones," and nobody could because they all realized. You know, think about how they just exposed them. He exposed them. They were exposed to everybody around because. Everybody that heard that said, ooh, what have you done? How come you ain't throwing rocks? What have you done? They had to drop their head and walk out because they realized maybe I'm not as good a person as I should be either. Or maybe, you know, I've been caught up with this woman before too. I don't know. Who knows what they they knew, but whatever it was, they couldn't throw rocks. Mm. If there's any good thing at all about that sin in your life, it should keep you from throwing rocks. I would rather see people at repentance than judgment. I want to see them at an altar praying than I'd rather see them standing in judgment. Jesus gave her mercy for her mess. What a mess her life had gotten into very quickly. If she was probably, if it was true and they were involved in that, I'm sure they were just not out in the open. They were just not somewhere. Somebody, they, these people had a plan. Maybe they searched it out. They probably had no idea this is about to happen. I don't know how it worked out, but I'm sure she didn't think I'm about to be stoned. I woke up this morning, I'm going to be stoned today. That was not in her plans. But it's amazing how quickly something can turn so bad. And we need his mercy. We need his mercy, and God has given mercy tonight. And if, you, if you're fortunate enough to open your eyes tomorrow, guess what? Mercy is new every morning. And when, when they told him, what do you say? What do you got to say about this? He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. Mercy began to speak for her, and it spoke life and love and grace, and correction, and goodness, and compassion. But why? Why, God? Because that's who he is. Micah 7 and 18, love it. Who is a God like unto thee? You're a God that pardons iniquity, passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever. Why? Because he delights in mercy. God is not, it doesn't make him happy. Judgment is not happiness for God. He doesn't take a a pleasure in seeing people. He he said it in Ezekiel, have I any pleasure at all in the death of him that dieth? And not that he would return to me and live? Don't you know that I would rather have you come back to me than die in your sin, than to stay lost? But can I come back? And he's like, that, young, that, that prodigal son, can I go back? He didn't think he could go back as a son. But people always need people to work for him. It'll be different. I'll just go back as a servant. And if I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Mercy. Mercy, don't you think I would rather have you back in my house? Don't you think I'd rather have you back under my care than have you die in a pig pen somewhere? God is having mercy because he delights in mercy. The voice of mercy will always put to silence the voice of judgment and accusations. God's voice, his, his words, he spoke, and it, it, it didn't record that they said another thing. But, 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 but she... Mm-mm, what no nothing. Shh. Nothing but the sound of rocks hitting the ground. No screams of anybody dying, no agony, no tears, nobody shouting, no anger, nothing. When he spoke, when that mercy spoke in that situation, it changed everything. There was nothing left, there was no more accusations, there was no more nothing. Nothing to do but walk out. Where are your accusers? Uh, nobody, Lord, neither do I condemn thee.
I'm not condemning you today. I'm not going to hit you with a rock either. But you need to go on now and live your life, but sin no more. Because one day, judgment is coming. Joel 2 and 13 says that, listen, when you find yourself sometimes in a mess, you want to lose your mind. Think that God won't help you. But the prophet said, rend your heart and not your garment. Remember, Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Here's what the prophet would say. Rend your heart, not your garment. Turn unto the Lord your God. Why? Because he is gracious and he is merciful. He's slow to anger. Great kindness and it repenteth him of the evil that he would do. He, he, he's ready to turn and not do what you're thinking he's going to do. We think he gets mad so quick, but it said he's slow to anger. He's long-suffering with us. He's patient with us. He's kind with us. He's merciful. So turn to God. Don't run from God when you mess up. Turn to God. Don't hide from God when you mess up. Don't quit on God when you mess up. Don't give up on God when you mess up. Turn to the Lord, your God. Because if you run, it can't be fixed. If you quit, it can't be fixed. If you hide, it can't be fixed. But if you turn to him, you're going to find his grace and his mercy and his kindness and his love. You're going to find a God that instead of, instead of throwing rocks at you, he's going to give you another chance. And that's what Jesus did. I don't know what that woman knew about Jesus. Had she heard about him, anything, I have no idea. But, but she had to know if it, at the very least he's a Jewish man. He knows what the scripture says. So he's fixing to pick up a rock too. But when you can get to the Lord, if you'll turn to him, he's going to help you. You find yourself in these messes. Remember what mercy speaks. Remember when... Uh, all you can hear is accusations when, you, when you're accusing yourself even. Wearing yourself out. Remember the words of mercy. Neither do I condemn you. And repent. Say you're sorry. God, I shouldn't have done that. Man, quit rolling the dice with your life. There's so many people today that I've got so much time. I, I could do it next week. I can do it then. I'm going to get some, I'm going to do some other things in my life. Then I'll get right with God. Oh, that's, you're going to close your eyes one night and wake up in front of him. And the first thought that's going to hit your mind is I never, ever got it right. And then it's too late. Let's be merciful. Like the Lord's merciful. There's a summary, I guess, where this mercy of God culminates. You know, part of it, when we read 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, you know what I'm talking about. It lists all these things that, these sins that can't enter into the kingdom of God. And then it says, and such were some of you, but now you are washed Justified, sanctified. We know what it says. The reason that we can say such were and not are is because of his mercy. If there was no mercy, it would never be and such were some of you. It'd be and such are some of you. We would still be in our sin without his mercy. We need his mercy. In Revelation chapter uh, 12 and I'm actually coming to a close, darn. This I know this is a little shorter tonight, but Revelation 12. Nine through eleven. It says, And that great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast out to the earth, his angels were cast out with him. And then John said, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, 
which accused them before our God day and night. He accused people, the brethren. He accused them day and night. He went to God and accused and accused and accused. But it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. That's mercy. By the word of their testimony. The reason they had a testimony is because of God's mercy. And they loved not their lives unto the death. They overcame because mercy spoke instead of judgment. When they were accused, God had mercy. We think that he's always false accusing. But it ain't always false accusations. If somebody's lying, he can say, God, they're a liar. And God can say, I know it. But it ain't time for judgment yet. It's time for mercy. And they're going to church tonight. So we'll see what happens. And the devil just stomp his foot and be mad and say, I want you to condemn them right now. No, it's not time. And so all these people who have a testimony that have over, they've overcome by the blood of the Lamb, they, they found a place of repentance. The blood is applied in the water. And so these people obeyed. They repented. They were baptized in his name, and they were filled with his spirit. And he said, they overcame. They found a place to repent. They found a place where they met my mercy. And in the middle of their mess, they met mercy, and it, and it changed their heart. It changed their mind. And, and they went their way and sinned no more. They went their way and did what was right. You know, on that little subject of go your way and sin no more, it's almost like the Lord told her something that was impossible. Because we can't live sin free. We're going to make mistakes. I think that what you learn as you read through Scripture is this, is that having an unrepentant heart is a sin within itself. That would, because that just reeks of pride and arrogance and God hates that stuff. You know, Really, the only sin, you know, I know the scripture says there's a sin that's not forgivable. Blaspheme against the Spirit, against the Holy Ghost. Well, the scripture says that the, the goodness of God leads us to repentance. The Spirit of God leads us in all truth. I think sometimes maybe what he's saying is that the only sin that can't be forgiven is the one that won't be repented of. God doesn't just forgive you because... Well, they ain't got to ask. I'll just forgive them. If you won't repent, it won't be forgiven. That's why he said if we have faults and we're faithful to confess them, God's faithful to forgive us. But if we won't repent, you know what the Spirit's trying to get you to do when you mess up? Say you're sorry now. Get down on your knees and pray and repent right now. But if you quench the Spirit... You're just telling the Spirit, now nah, I got this. Don't worry about me. And so when he tells us go our way and sin no more, it doesn't mean I ain't going to make a mistake. You might make a mistake the next day. But if your heart really changed, you'll find a place of repentance. You'll get down and pray right away. Or you may not even find, get down. You might just write there, Lord God, forgive me. That was not me that's not what I do forgive me for that I should not have you know, you're just right then and there no matter where you are because listen there ain't nothing more you know well I messed up work day when I get home tonight, I'm going to pray I would not try to drive home in traffic <laughs> unrepented I would be repenting before I got in my car and took off because what if somebody runs a red light I don't want to find myself in that kind of situation wondering if I could have enough strength in me to utter one last prayer, forgive me. I, I want to pray. I want to take advantage of mercy now. Let's stand together. I, I posted this. I was studying tonight. 
And there was a, it's one of my absolute favorite sayings, quotes, from a guy that I know nothing about other than a story told about him. His name is John Wooden. He was a head coach of UCLA basketball years back. And he was very uh, reserved guy. He, he, he followed old school rules. You know, used to be basketball coaches could not get off their bench. They had to stay on the bench. They, you get up and head toward the paint, you're out of here. They had to stay on their bench. And that, he liked that. He didn't like these coaches getting up and going crazy like they were. They had changed the rule, but he still kind of stuck to it. But in an interview, there was a coach that, he, you know, they were polar opposites. And so the reporter was trying to get him to just throw off and dish on this, this guy and get him to say something ugly about him. And when the reporter asked him about the, this other coach, he said, there is so much bad in the best of us and so much good in the worst of us that it hardly behooves me to talk about the rest of us. When, when you get the chance to talk about somebody else or point out their sins, or I want you to remember that and let mercy speak instead of that accuser. If mercy's speaking, that's the Holy Ghost talking. But if you find accusations flying out of your mouth, somebody else is talking, and it ain't the Lord. So remember, even Paul said, I know in my flesh dwells no good thing. Basically what this man said, there's enough bad in the best of us. And you know what? Even in the worst of us, there's some good. So let's don't talk about the rest of us. Let's kill gossip and conversations and accusations. Kill all that stuff. Leave it alone. Find something else to do. Read a book. Play cards. I don't know. Don't gamble, but go fish. But find something else to do. And have mercy. Have mercy. While she's playing tonight, why don't you come to this altar and find some mercy tonight? If you got something you need to repent of, God's ready to forgive it. If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, why not tonight? Why not have your sins washed away? Let's take advantage of His mercy tonight.